I was thinking about how many people, well, for one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, become the message. But I was thinking about how many people, how many people basically wear shirts, hats with logos. You know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about logos, you know, or we're, we're walking ads for, for slogans, for teams, for products, for companies, etc. Um, you know, and I, so I just thought I would, you know, do a little bit of an illustration. So here's one of our house shirts, and we got my house on it, and, and we got the, the house logo on the back, and, and you know, it, it just kind of, it kind of represents something. Uh, who, who here is like a birthday? B- birthday, bro? Are you serious? Happy birthday. Right on. Sweet. But I was thinking about this that, you know, we've got these products and companies and slogans and and that you actually, you know, now you kind of look at stuff and you go, what does that represent? You know, is there is like, ah, that, you know, that represents this or that represents that or I'm good with that or have you noticed this that you'll go and you'll find like uh a shirt, and it's like, oh, hey, that's a good, good shirt. And then you see the same shirt with like a logo on it, and it's like 10 bucks more, right? So there's something behind that. There's something that, that, we, that we walk in. And I, and I want to say this, that you are God. You are the logo of God being written. You are the logo of God in process, you are the logo of God being written, and, and you become the message. And, and what really spoke to my heart was this, is that, is that um, a lot of times people will, 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 will say, well, geez, I'm such a mess. How can I be the message? But I'm telling you what, when you yield to the Lord, your mess becomes the message. You know, he, he takes, he takes the, the very things that basically you've, you've come out of, and if you yield to Him, there's something beautiful that He can author and craft in your life. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, because this is the series that we're doing. I'm going to wrap it up this morning. But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, somebody say fruit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so, uh, we started this series a few weeks ago, and we entitled the first part of it, Gifted. Because we wanted to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in this house that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still present, they're active, they're functioning. But we also wanted to kind of bookend the series with the fruit of the Spirit, because there's camps that will lean so far over here to the, to the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't have a lot in the character of the Spirit of God, which brings, you know, is what we're talking about in Galatians 5. And so you'll find people who will lean each side on emphasis, but there's got to be a balance. See, a gift will get you into the room, but character will keep you in the room. And it's really important that we, we understand the attributes of great character when our character becomes the character of Jesus. That's really the goal, to become more like Him, to reflect Him, to become the logo, to become the message. And this character, this kind of character, it doesn't come by like gritting your teeth and being super disciplined and willing it into being. It actually comes because the Spirit of God is in you 
And He's actually producing. And the more that you yield to Him, the more that the fruit is of the Spirit is produced. Because you remember in chapter 5, how Paul writes in Galatians and he talks about remember that you've been set free. Remember your freedom. So it is about the freedom you know, from, from the law and it's about that the law really, really proved that we can't be acceptable to God. Come to Him. I mean seriously, it's not your works. It's not the things that you do. It's, it's basically the yielding and the opening of your heart to Jesus. And the goal is to become a mini-me of Jesus of some sorts. And so Paul writes this. He says, we all have a new nature if we believe in God. We have a new nature. And, 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 and fruit is produced according to the nature of the tree. Uh, so there should be different fruit than what the original fruit was. Amen? And, and so, uh, have you ever wondered what kind of tree that maybe you were looking at. It could be like an apple tree, but I don't know what the subspecies is. I grew up in this agricultural, you know, my, my folks had a, had a cherry orchard uh, when I was growing up, and we, and we also had walnuts. I mean, I had these huge walnut trees. I mean, these things were, these things were massive. And so, you know, when you, when you look at it, you look at a tree and you go, well, and, and if you, you're kind of in the in the no, you can tell like, oh, well, that's a bean cherry or that's a Lambert cherry by the leaves. But if you don't know, you certainly would know by the fruit, right? So the fruit will actually reveal what the tree is. And the, the, the fruit will reveal the root system. Okay, so when we're looking at this, I want to teach this morning through the listing that we see called the fruit of the Spirit, and so the first one I want to talk about this morning is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Somebody say love. Now, what's interesting is that word love because we have all kinds of definitions for love. I, I love fishing. I love hunting. I love my dog. I love my wife. And we know they all should be different. Right? I love my truck. So, but that word love in the Greek is agape. And what it means is it's the kind of love that actually provides what is necessary, not just what is needed. <clears throat> How many of you recognize that, that sometimes we, we think about love as like, well, if you really love me, you'll give me what, what I want. I mean, that's what the culture of the world. You love me, you give me what I want. That's actually not biblical love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He didn't give the world what they wanted. He gave the world what they needed. Right? And so, so when we look at this, now, now I want to I point this out. This is not our love, but it's us carrying God's love. And you've got to really, because sometimes we just don't feel very lovely. Right? We don't feel like loving. But we realize the fruit of the Spirit is we are actually carriers of God's love. And, and there's something really important to this because it'll kind of filter some things because God's love also grows inside us. It grows in the more that you yield to the Lord, the more that you make room for Him, the more that that love of God grows. And this is expressed 
by an act of a believer that's yielded. It's like the, her, the human personality expressing the heart of God. And it's going to look a little different. You know, it's going to look like the, 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 the love of God being expressed through maybe my brother Stephen is going to be a little bit different than my, the, the love of God expressed through my brother Johnny, but it's going to be the love of God that's expressed in a different dynamic. Just like um, I can pick up uh, a guitar and I can play a song and then Pastor Reuben can pick up a guitar and play the same song, but because of how we both are, it's going to be a little different, but then God orchestrates it, right? So um, Romans 5.5 5 says this, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So we see there's a supernatural thing that happens. There's a supernatural thing that happens. Paul writes that we're to walk in the Spirit. And I like to think of that as identifying with God. As identifying with God. And yielding to God. Being responsive to God. Putting aside my preferences for His preferences. Filtering my thoughts through what would God think on this. Because sometimes we're very reactive and we need to understand and have to think like this. Identifying with God is being responsive. And, and, and my thoughts aren't filtered by the culture, the pressure, or the emotional currency of the day. You know, this is crazy. Some of you have heard me say this before. But the average American encounters 1,000 ads a day. 1,000 ads. You are actually being assaulted, in a way, every day by some person, corporation, company that is saying, you should do this, you should think like this, you need this, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you should drive this, you should wear this. These tennis shoes will take your game to a whole nother level. You know what I'm saying? And we do. I mean, we're, we're assaulted. The average American, okay, watches three hours of television a day. Three hours. At age 65, that person has actually effectively watched TV for eight years. The believer that actually commits and says, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. That's, that's my heart. I'm committing. So average for you know, 52 Sundays a year. At age 65, that average believer will have been in church for eight months. Tell me who's got the upper hand in the information war. God's trying to transform you by His Word. Equip you and heal you by His Spirit. And we basically have to realize what we're up against. You're up against a culture that wants to filter, wants to change your thinking, wants to force ideologies on you. And the Word of God, the Spirit of God, wants to free you up, wants to heal you, wants to make you whole, wants to help you to think in a different way than maybe you've ever thought. 
So, or how about joy? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is, is love and it's joy. And I'm telling you what, I don't believe there should be joyless Christianity. Rejoiced people, redeemed people should rejoice. We should be rejoicing. Listen, it says in Luke 10, 21 in part, at the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. There is this divine supernatural resource that we can partake of. Jesus said from your innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. There is something that we can take hold of if we yield that changes everything in our affect. How many of you just love to be around like a joyful person? I mean, it's cool unless you don't want to be joyful. Because Eeyores like to hang around with Eeyores. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you being so stinking happy for? Don't you know my tail just fell off? I mean, that's kind of how we, how we roll. But something about this, the joy of this world can fade pretty quick, but there's a source that's not of this world, and it's replenished by the Holy Spirit. And joy may be the most underrated of the fruit of the Spirit. See, it partners and adds so much. Can you imagine peace without the company of joy? Patience and long-suffering are more tolerable with joy, right? Uh, I, I, I'm going to be patient. Uh, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be good. And I'm going to be faithful. It's like, where's the joy? Paul wrote this in Philippians. He said, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And the guy most likely was sitting in jail with a death sentence over his head. So you realize it wasn't because of the circumstances. Cool. I'm in jail. I got chains on. They want to behead me. This is awesome. Said no one ever. But yet he had this resource. He understood where the joy came in. That his, that his future, that eternity was secured because of his relationship with God and because of, of yielding to the, to the Holy Spirit that basically he could walk in this no matter what kind of H-E-double-L hockey sticks it looks like out there. See, joy seems to be the attribute, the attitude that flees or is discarded the quickest during trials and stress and difficulty. And that word joy means to rejoice or it means it, 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 it says exuberant life. Man, exuberant life. And once again, you have to be reminded that this is not something you have to conjure up, muscle up, cowboy up. It's something that's in you because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more that you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more that you'll see the supernatural joy. And, and it's produced by the Holy Spirit that you carry as a believer. It, and it is supernatural. I've seen people, I've seen all kinds of things in years of ministry. I've seen people react differently when they encounter the presence of God in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people weep. I've seen people get healed. I've seen people laugh. And it's like, I remember when I first started, I saw somebody laugh, and actually that person happened to be my wife. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But you realize there's joy. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And when you interact with the Lord, there's just something there 
that happens. Or how about peace? How about peace? Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace. John 16.33 It says, These things I have spoken to you that in Me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. I mean, it's almost like, come on people, we should not be surprised when there's trials and tribulation. Because Jesus actually told us this is what's going to happen. In the world you will have tribulation, but these things I've spoken to you so that in me you might have peace. Take courage. I've overcome the world. Man, it's kind of crazy because then the book of James, which Martin Luther, original father of the faith, initially kind of derided as the book of straw. I didn't like it, but later he came to appreciate it. And James was like, consider it all joy, my brothers. I don't consider it joy when I fall into a trial. I don't know about you. But yet, there's something that I realize I can't live with my emotions based on. And then you have, how many of you love, like love Christian cliches? Well, I'm going through a trial, so God must be doing something. You know, yeah, all things work together for good for those who love God and call according to His purpose. We can just throw stuff out there and we intellectually understand it, but we don't grasp it in our heart. It's okay. I'm going through a trial and this ain't pretty. And this ain't fun. And I don't like this. But I have a resource. I can, I can ask heaven to come down and touch the earth of my thoughts, my emotions, what's going on in my life. And I can walk through this thing in a way that the, words, the world is going to watch the message. So, peace is one of the, maybe the most precious commodities. Do you have like a favorite fruit? My favorite fruit was not cherries. Because I grew up on a cherry orchard. Right? I don't mind eating cherries, but I won't go out of my way to find them. I won't buy them. Right? Robbie brought home some cherries the other day. I'm like, oh, hmm, cherries. And I ate a couple. And she goes, I thought you didn't like cherries. I'm like, they're, they're all right. They're, but they're not my favorite fruit. How many of you got a favorite fruit? One of my wife's favorite fruit is like cantaloupe or actually watermelon. Is watermelon a fruit? Okay, it's a fruit. But, okay, so I got this gift. I want, I'm, I'm going to show you about this gift that I have. I can pick out a great watermelon every time. Every time we go and she goes, would you pick me out a watermelon? Okay. Well, here's my secret. You take a watermelon, and I know some of you already know this, but I'm just going to fill in everybody else that doesn't. This is for free. And so what I do is I actually look for like the biggest yellow, brown, nasty spot that means it's been laying in the field for maybe longer than some of the others that don't have it. And then I'll tap it. I'll tap a, a kind of a, a green looking one, like, yeah, yeah, it feels in. And I'll tap it like, boom, boom. You know, it's hollow. And I can pick out a great watermelon. She loves that. I don't know if that's your favorite fruit, but it's probably close to it. So we all have this. We have, and, and, and peace may be one of the most precious 
because it means this. It means a state of tranquility or wholeness. Shalom. Great message last week on shalom. If you, if you think about this, there's nothing like peace in your neighborhood, peace in your relationships, peace in, in, in everything that you walk through. And we're taught in Philippians 4 to bring our anxious thoughts and prayers to God that the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. So we can do that. That's peace. That's peace. Something there. I love that. I love that Jesus would just speak and things would shift and change because He was speaking in peace. Patience. Oh, okay, how about patience? Patience or translated long-suffering. Now that's kind of a cool word. Uh, the other word that's translated is forbearance. I even like that word a little bit more. I'm, I'm forbearing with you. Have you ever done that to your kids? Do that to your kids and see how it works. I am long-suffering for you. Or I am, you know what I'm saying, but patience. If we, we think about patience, and it's translated, it speaks of the steadfastness of the soul under provocation. The steadfastness of the soul under provocation includes the idea of forbearance and patient endurance of wrong, got to hear me here, under ill treatment, without anger or thought of revenge. Okay, that, 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 that's what that word is me unpacking. Webster defines patience as refraining from enforcement from a debt, a right, or an obligation. There's, there's, there's patience. And, and, and why, why is that important? Because it actually partners incredibly with kindness. Patience. Kindness. We think about kindness. Pastor Stephen a couple weeks ago did a great job of opening this series. And he said, where are the kind Christians? Where are the kind Christians? Because we see that this is part of the fruit of the Spirit. But in Romans 2.4 it says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. We used to sing a song in church years ago. It was, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And the issue is this, is that sometimes when we use the word repentance, we kind of like spit it out like a cuss word. You know, you envision the that really wild, prophetic guy on the street corner. Repent! Right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. If somebody walked up to you and said, bro, you need to repent, you're like, oh, the walls are up. Come on. Right? We are. We're, de we're defensive. But it's a beautiful word. It's a power word. It's the first word that John the Baptist used when he started his ministry. It's the first word. It's repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. It's the first word that Jesus used when He started His public ministry. Go check it out. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a beautiful word. And what it simply means is you're going one way because you had a thought. And then there's a second thought that reveals the error of the first thought and it causes you to go the other way. That's repentance. That's metaneal. And so what happens is that if you think about this, it's like, man, I'm going the wrong way. There's a thought. 
and I'm going to go back the other way. I'm going to, and then your partnership to, to really be biblical repentance is I'm going to partner with that. I mean, there's a lot of people that... See, the Bible says this, godly sorrow, it won't always lead to repentance. There's a sorrow that leads not unto repentance. Because you can have a sorrow like, I'm going, I'm going the wrong way, 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 I'm going the wrong way. But repentance is like, I'm going the wrong way. I need to go the other way. Think about what repentance does here. Repentance is this activation. It's this acknowledgement, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. Repentance might be, I need you. I can't do life alone. I've been trying to, I've been trying to do life alone. I've been hoping that I'm accepted. Listen, repentance is like, Jesus, I need you. And then, but think about what repentance does relationally this way. It heals things. It's like, it's like me going a, saying some stuff to maybe uh, my wife, and then the Holy Spirit is like, oh, that was a little harsh. That was a little angry. That was a little... Uh... And then I go back and I say, listen, would you forgive me? I'm repenting. And you know what? She's like inside, I mean, on the outside, she's going, yes, I, I forgive you. On the inside, she's going, yes, there is a God. <laughs> right? Because we don't like to say we're sorry. Do we? Come on, guys. We don't. I mean, it, it's hard to get it out sometimes. I'm s- sorry. Right? But I'm telling you what, man, if we're just quick to repent before God, there's just something that happens. And it says, let me read this again so you have a better context. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. So first of all, if God was patient with us and the process led us into repentance, which is a beautiful word, then why do we feel like we can't be patient and forbearing people? See, there are people around you that may never have opened the good book, but will read your life. They will look at the logo. They will look at the message. They're watching you to see how you respond. And then we see goodness. Goodness. What this means when we unpack this is that you intentionally... Goodness is intentional. It's not just like warm, fuzzy feelings. It's like the Holy Spirit in you, basically, you, we are all faced every day, every time we turn around with, here's the right thing to do, here's the wrong thing to do. The Holy Spirit will prompt you into goodness. It will, it will lean. It will, it will influence you. And the more that you yield to it, the more that you will walk in that. The Bible says that Jesus went around doing what? Good. The power of the Holy Spirit wants us to do good. Once again, we're carrying the Spirit. Responding will allow the fruit of goodness. We choose to align or identify, and it touches the culture around us. You can always touch the culture around you with not being good. But I'm telling you, goodness like stands out. I mean, just, just try this. Just try this. Go to the grocery store and buy some of these groceries that's right b- behind you. Or right in front of you. Like, whoa. Pay it forward. Do something good. 
Think about this. Not to earn something, but because you're actually, you're actually responding to the goodness of God. We sing about the goodness of God. We love the goodness of God. You are a good, good father. So we should be the same. We should be able to have people that go, I don't know about that young man right there, but there's just, he just does good stuff. Why is that? It's not really in his old nature, but that's the new nature. And that's the fruit because of the root. In 2 Thessalonians 1.11, it says, To this end we also pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling. Listen, listen, listen. And fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. So here's something that the Holy Spirit is actually creating a desire in you to do good. And then the power of the Holy, and then you activate it by agreeing. Okay, I feel like doing this. I'm going to do this. The desire for goodness is the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside you and accompanied then, if you look at the Scripture, by faith and by power. You are partnered with power. You can make a difference. You do make a difference. Or faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful. Man, we, we, we need faithful I mean, our culture doesn't seem to value faithful. I mean, how about like an athlete that signs a $40 million contract and then it's so easy to get out of it? I'm like, man, that's not, that doesn't feel like faithful. Well, I'm worth more. I, I'm worth nothing. The Bible says, know that you're not your own, but you've been bought with a price. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I mean, you don't have to like, I mean, let's just be faithful people. Let's be faithful in our marriages. Let's be faithful in our friendships. Let's be faithful to work. Show up on time. You know? I mean, just seriously. So I'm looking for some. I'm looking to hire someone. I just want them to show up on time. Be faithful. Be faithful people. There's something about walking in faith. Or how about gentleness? Gentleness. Gentleness does not mean like, uh, yeah, a bunch of weak-minded whatever. Seriously, gentleness defined as strength under control. I mean, I, I, uh, I grew up around you know, you know, farm life, ranch life, horses. I'm telling you what. You talk about a horse that's like outweighs you by 15 times or more. And the only thing that really controls them is a bit and a willingness. Seriously. There's something about gentleness that, that, that we have to understand because, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, you need to be a strong man. Well, a strong man is a gentle man because that strength is under control. Now, my, my brother here, um, Johnny, he's a, he's a strong man. My brother AJ, he's a strong man. These guys like, I mean, you look at the guns these guys walk around with, and I'm like, dude, that's what I look like in my head. But it would be like taking that strength. Here's gentleness. Gentleness would be a guy that's, that's yoked, right? And yet he sees a child that's hurting. And he reaches down in his strength and he's gentle. 
That's what gentle is. It's not lack of strength. It's actually having that strength be under submission, under control of the Holy Spirit. It's power under control. It's so important. Or, or, or how about self-control? Self-control. All the works of the flesh that we see in Galatians 5, because Paul says the works of the flesh are this, and he goes, bah, 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 and you're going, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But they all have a couple things in common. The works of the flesh, and that is the rejection of restraint, right? The rejection of restraint and the lack of self-control. We don't live in a culture that actually preaches this. Just tell them how you feel. Just let those emotions come out. If you don't let them come out, they'll just, you know, they'll just be inside and kind of wreck you. I'm not saying there's not a time to counsel and there's not a time to do this, but come on. There's a self-control. Listen, self-control, or I love this, it's also translated in some, some translations will be temperance. I love that. Temperance. Sounds like somebody ought to name their baby girl temperance. Temperance is this. It's the virtue that moderates the attraction and desire for pleasure and provides a balance in the use of created goods. It's like, hmm, I need to exercise some self-control because I just walked into a guitar shop and they all look good. Right? I just walked into a Goodwill and every rock looks good. Right? I mean, I, I will I'll actually drop her off at the Goodwill and I will sit in the car and pray, Jesus, please let her. No, I'm just messing with you. Self-control, Lord God, please. No, she's always so good. You know what's funny about her is we'll go into some place like that, like, you know, Burlington Coat or whatever, and, and, and what I'll do is I'll go to the guitar shop and I'll leave her there and then I'll come and pick her up and then pretty soon she's shopping for me. Hey, you know, I was like, you see anything? I didn't see anything. I'm here to get you out of here. I'm here to rescue you. And pretty soon we're over there shopping for me and I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, self-control, self-control. Listen to this. St. Thomas calls temperance a disposition of the mind which binds the passions. Come on, we got some passions. And not all of them are good passions. And we got to have some self-control. The Holy Spirit will help you with self-control. Self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken and left without walls. We've all been around that. So, let me give you a couple of final thoughts. And then we're going to worship and we're going to pray. In Christ, we've been given a new nature. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's the only pathway. It's the only pathway to peace, to joy, to love, to patience, to gentleness, to kindness, 
to self-control. The Bible says against that, there's no law. And it's not... The key is the more that we yield to the Holy Spirit, the more there's proof, so to speak, of the yielded life. The logo changes. The brand changes. The mess becomes a message. You become a walking billboard because there's hope in you, there's love in you, there's peace in you, there's joy in you, there's gentleness in you, there's kindness in you, there's self-control in you. And it's so different than what we see modeled by the thousand advertisements that you are absolutely encountering every day. That you should be like this, you should just do it. Have it your way. It's so different. It's a message that is so different that you can live so differently. You can live like no other. And it's not this elitist thing. It's like this is a freedom thing. This is like this is what you were created if any man is in Christ new creature. God is bringing you back to the place where he said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I had a plan for you. And I had a dream for you. And life and decisions and pathways have taken you so far off course. But I'm here to call you back on course. I'm here to actually give you something that you've always been desiring. You've always been longing for. And you're only going to find it in me. That's what Jesus said. And it's not something we produce. It's something that He produces. And the mess that was our life becomes the message for others to read. Becomes the book. Listen, this is awesome. 2 Corinthians 3.3 It says, And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on the tablets of human hearts the bible says that jesus is the author and he's the finisher of our faith god is a writer and by the holy spirit you carry a message and a story that's constantly being written that's a beautiful thing and it's constantly being read by the culture the logo changes the brand is different the kingdom people And the more that you yield to the very spirit you carry on the inside, the more you see the fruit. I I would submit to you this morning that some of you are in a chapter of life and you don't realize that God is still writing. That God is not finished. Some of you are in this place and you've looked at the previous chapters and you went, man, I don't even want to finish the book. But I'm telling you what, Jesus is authoring, He's writing, He's not done yet. He sees what He wants to do in you. He sees the, he sees the promise on you. And you can have hope because any mess can be turned into a message. Any situation. All things, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It ain't over until it's over. And Jesus said it's not over yet. Not until it says, and that day. I want, I, I want to do something this morning. I want you to just bow your heads and your hearts. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing, we're going to worship. First of all, if you're here this morning and maybe you've heard about this Jesus, maybe you've kind of known about Him a little bit, but you've never 
sensed that presence, maybe that encounter when you came in and maybe it was during worship or it was during an exhortation from the worship team or in the Word, but you go, man, there's something different. I'm going to tell you, this is the invitation of God on your heart. This is the invitation where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart. And if any man would hear and come in, So the door of your heart's a beautiful thing, but the handle's only on the inside. Only you can open it. And Jesus is knocking and saying, here's your invitation. If that's you this morning and you've just never taken that step of belief and said, I believe. I don't know all that I'm believing about, but I believe because that's the beginning of the journey. And belief biblically is not just being aware of. It's actually taking a step that says, I believe and I'm willing right now and I'm, I'm declaring that I'm going to transfer my loyalty from this kingdom here into the kingdom of heaven. That's becoming a believer. That's making room in your heart for God. If that's you, it's really important that we do this in community. Jesus said this, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three. So I'm one and you're the other. And if that's you, and today's the day you're saying, Pastor, I want to agree with you to give my life to this Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. Just where I, I'm not going to ask you to come up right now. I just want to, I want to agree with you. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, today, I want to give my life to this, to this Jesus. You may not understand it all. It's okay. I didn't understand my wife when I committed to her in covenant. It took me 40 years, 42 years to kind of figure everything out. This is a journey, but if this is your journey and you say, Pastor, I want to start this journey right now, just wave at me. I want to agree with you. I want to celebrate with you. Anyone here this morning, here's my journey. I want to give my heart to this Jesus.